I know that could have been good. I, I just sat across from Stretch and said, I'm sorry, I look like trash right now because I just got out of the shower, shower. and I'm sopping wet. And she's like, my hair is so greasy, it's sticking in place. And she's not kidding. It's literally has so much baby powder and blood <laughs> shampoo and grease that it can't be moved. It's like comparing to Elvis right now. <laughs> You know, there are people who are like, I don't wash my hair for seven days. How in the world I'm do you do that? I'm going on Friday. I'm almost on five days. I'm on five days. Oh, Marty said, Marty's like, nasty. shower. Please shower. I plan on showering when I get home, ladies and germs. Ooh, showers. Um, anyway. Clean. Spooky. Yeah. So, greetings, ghouls and gals. Uh, hey, we're coming at you today. That was kind of fun. It was. Everyone's going to be so sad that you didn't do your part, though. And by everyone, I mean Greetings, Taylor. Greetings, <laughs> ghouls, cows, ghost goblins, and children of the afterlife. And at this time of year, the corn. The corn or the beans. <laughs> in in, the, in, in our the, area, it's corn or beans. And the corn has the juice. <laughs> It's so cute, I know. Oh, bless. He's, I hope he's living, like, so happily right now. He gets to test out so much corn now, and they've been trying to find a corn he doesn't like, and he finally found one. Oh. And it was corn on the cob dressed like a cheeseburger. He said, What? You've been having me test millions and thousands of corns, and I finally found one I don't like. What do you mean, dressed like a cheeseburger? I, it had, like, ketchup and (gasps) pickles, and it was like a corn on the cob place. Okay, that feels absurd. Yeah. But also, part of me is like... I know, I'm like, I that. love a corn with my cheeseburger, so... I just feel like it would be messy. I would think I would need to cut it off. I think he hates pickles, and I think that was... Okay. He's like, there's a giant pickle on it. We found out what he doesn't want. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, how's it going? It's going well, um... Uh, to me, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It is. So that's always a positive. It I, is spooky season. Right? Like We're in I, the midst. And we're getting super fall weather right now. So Which sexy. just enhances it. I know. And although we are getting a frost tonight, which kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. We did get a frost warning. Not but so creepy. No. It'll be like 78 again next week. Oh, gosh. It's like a perfect 68 to 72 breezy right now. It's lovely. I need it to stay that way because when I walk outside, I am immediately put into, like, the set of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. You know, the start of the movie when they're, like, going to school and leaving school and stuff. (laughs) Yep. I love that. I know. Where is, like, that year-round? I want to know. Hawaii is 75 to 80 year-round. Not spooky enough. It doesn't get that spooky vibe. It, yeah, it's pretty beachy. Except there. our Hawaii episode that we did was actually kind of yeah. Kind there was some creepy. scary stuff going yeah. on there, and I'm sure there's a lot to uncover. I'm sure there's a town somewhere or another where it's fall year round. Give us suggestions, and maybe we travel there and find out what's creepy in said town, mm. just to make sure it's up to our standards. I agree. Cool. Oh, Jimmy's stomach just. <laughs> I'm ready for my Jimmy John. She's <laughs> she's doing the sound effects for tonight's episode, <laughs> just via the stomach. Well, well, I kind of want my Jimmy John's too, but first I want to make you sick to your stomach with a horrifying story. I love it. Let's do it. I am taking a little turn and we're going to read a classic creepy pasta today. Ooh, pasta sounds good. Okay. <laughs> creepy pasta sounds better. Oh my God. Why is there not a restaurant called creepy pasta? <gasps> I wonder if there is. Maybe there is. I mean. Olive Garden? 
What are you doing? (laughs) Also, two quick recommendations of movies that Tiffany and I have recently (gasps) watched. Oh. That are. Frightening. Incredible. To say the least. Three recommendations, actually. Oh, boy. Okay. First, we've talked about it on this podcast before, the origin place, Gongium Haunted Asylum. Okay? It was, we watched that for Tiff's birthday, and we all, all had four of issues. us were freaked out. We all had issues going to sleep. Yeah. And it's because it's paranormal, it's psychological, it's beautiful. It was so good. I need everyone to watch it. Because, uh, like, that was, like, one of the first movies in a while that has absolutely terrified me. I know. It was so good. And you just, like, there were some twists that you didn't see coming mm-hmm. until you did. Yep. And, then, oh, it was so good. It, it was so good. It, it can't wait to go there whenever we. Uh, it can't wait to go there whenever we, Grammar. Okay. I can't wait for us to go there when we go to school. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. Are you I scared? Was, I was watching that movie, and I know the movie is essentially, like, fiction yeah. but i was like this hard limit because they're going to like investigate it like mm-hmm. i don't know that i i'm Ooh. scared oh my gosh you guys tiff doesn't say that i don't like you guys need to watch the movie though and see what i mean because it's just like it was really good and where what streaming service did you have it on so it was on netflix originally but it they took it off so it was on shutter shutter s-h-u-d-d-e-r it's like a you possibly might have if you're obviously listening to this podcast you probably have had an ad for it before it's a streaming platform with a bunch of scary films shutter originals some classics you can get a free trial for a week then it's like 6.99 or something a month worth it shutter if you hear this we would love to be sponsored we would love to be sponsored we will talk about your movies and give them a review we will that gave me um, two times the spooky. It did. Get it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, that what was other funny. movies were you going to mention? Um, the two movies we went to in the theater. One being Pearl. <sighs> Interesting. Interesting is the proper word. It is a prequel to X, which we had no idea until we walked into the theater. But we were watching a prequel. It was one of those that was like so strange that it was incredible. Yeah. It, it was pretty good. It wasn't the worst prequel no. I've ever seen. Mm-mm. And then the second one, which was... Or Barbarian. Third, sorry, Barbarian, which was also good. It did have its, um, like, dull moments, but... <laughs> Not what I was expecting. It was... There is something... Tiffany's doing an impression of, like, something that happens in the movie, and... When you watch it, I need you to, like, come back and we'll play the soundbite for you again. Yeah. Because it's, it has made me cry. <laughs> tears. It's. Absolute tears. It's fun. And there are some jump scares in it for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so we've been on a movie kick in the month of September. Also, one more honorable mention, and then I will tell my freaking story. The Medium on Shudder. Okay. I know you I told, told you about, about this. I have to go watch it. Maybe I need to go get Shutter so we can really be sponsored. Oh, maybe. yeah, you do. I'm going to. It's tonight. worth it. Medium. Just watch it. Actually, just watch it. I can't even. It's like a documentary. <laughs> Obviously, uh, I fake, was, but. Tiff and I were talking maybe. about this movie, and I was comparing it to the one and only The Red Panda, and Tiff was like, I literally have no idea what you're saying, so why are you talking? <laughs> yeah, I explained the premise of the movie, and Tiffany's like, like The Red Panda. I'm like, <laughs> I've. 
No clue. Honestly, they don't really match up at all, but it felt right and in my head. And then you explained the red panda to me, and I was like, no. <laughs> it felt right. I don't think so. But now I kind of want to watch the red panda, so I so you can be can. like, what were you thinking? I agree. Or I'll be like, huh? Yep. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Anyway, back to your story. All right. This is from Michael Page, I think is his name. I don't know. I'll link it below. It was first published in... 2021 so it's a oh she's a fresh it's a fresh pasta. girl a pretty fresh girl february of 2021 and it's called those deep dark wells oh if this sucks we're pretending this never happened by the way okay everyone you we'll just that? save the front the start of the episode and then read another one at another point or you guys just pretend this never happened yeah you guys be like oh that was scary <laughs> oh the terrible thing happened at night as most terrible things do. When I click clacked, oh my god, no! It's not what it says. She's click clacking. Oh, it kind of does say that. When I click clicked away at my home job as a transcriptionist, I'd often watch the boys playing in the backyard. They'd be at it for hours, acting out some scene with foam swords and plastic guns, only stopping when the sun left to rise somewhere else. Seeing Mason happy made me happy. He'd finally found a friend. His father left us when he was six months old and more or less had no role in his life. Sure, there were the occasional visits every few years, but even those were short and fiend, not even so much as an annual birthday card. Perhaps that was why Mason anchored himself such a secure distance from other kids, a point driven home by his fifth grade teacher and several others. Part of me didn't blame him. Kids in school, especially the ones I can recall, weren't the friendliest bunch. If you were lucky, you could have picked out the sharks from the minnows and avoid them. But honestly, they all look the same, twined together in the same concrete box. Please give him a best friend. I'd whisper at my bed every night, sending out the same message to God, or at least to something just as benevolent to hear my prayer. Then, one day, much to my wonderment, Mason brought Todd home for a play date. Oh my god. Shout out to Todd. Shout out to Todd. Like, uh, How's it going up there, big oh, guy? I love it. Is it too weird having someone we know of as a story name? Okay, great, because I don't really know Mason, so. Do you know Mason? Yeah, from Who? school, Mason. Oh, and he's like... What if he's listening right now? (laughs) Then, one day, much to my wonderment, Mason brought Todd home for a play date. He was a petite boy. (laughs) Not your dad. Couldn't be my dad. He was a petite boy with mismatched clothes, unkempt hair, and the bluest eyes you'd ever seen. It's really far Sounds like Alistair. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. He sounds just like him. Tiffany's nephew is like (laughs) spitting image. I was ecstatic, relieved that my son had finally cracked open his shell and found a buddy. I saw him at the park, Mason told me when I asked how they met. He was sitting alone at the swings like he was sad. When he saw me on my bike, he waved and I waved back. Then we hung out and he was really cool. As he shared this, I couldn't help but smile at his excitement. So much deserved by the loneliest boy in the world. <laughs> oh my god, that's so sweet. I know. That's why I don't want to have a kid. Like, what if my kid <sighs> I know. doesn't have any friends? I'll be its friend feels weird <laughs> i would be its friend i mean yeah but it feels weird <laughs> i mean like i wouldn't be like his like his or her best friend yeah i would not allow that <laughs> i would i'll be the coolest aunt there could have yeah, yeah but you're, you're the, the Taylor. aunt get what i mean yeah i get it you're not his special i'm just friend. trying to make your kid feel better okay thank you that's so sweet i'm sorry i'm such an ass <laughs> 
you're the kid. You're the one who has a lonely child. (laughs) (laughs) That night, they had a sleepover and passed out in the living room. From my bedroom, I could hear the muffled speech of our television, which they had left on. Sighing, I tucked myself out of bed and walked sluggishly down the stairs to them. Light from the screen pulsed and stretched over the sleeping boys. Mason was swaddled in his blanket on the floor while Todd was curled up on the couch. I scanned for the remote, and after no luck, I moved to shut it off myself. A lone bag of chips crinkled under my foot. From the couch, Todd's shape twitched and then bolted upright. I meant to say, sorry, but I stopped short. When Todd jutted awake and opened his eyes, I couldn't see them. They hadn't rolled up in their sockets or slipped to their sides. They were completely gone. Two holes of singular darkness. Todd had blue eyes, vividly blue eyes, but at that instant, not even the glow of the television reflected off those dark membranes, black as Santa's coal. Then he blinked, and the eyes returned. He's a black-eyed kid. Black-eyed pea. Hey, little peanut. Hello, Miss Ma'am. This is a rare review. On a rare occasion, do we have a cracky on the table? She's like, I got a rabies shot yesterday, and they're so mean to me. So mean to you, crackers. Oh, I know. Before I could say anything, his mouth stretched into a yawn, and the boy slumped back into the cushions. I was stiff as a board, somewhat relieved I hadn't shrieked and woken them both up. My thoughts told me it was a trick of the light, as did any speck of reason. Vision played games with you that way. I switched off the television and went back to bed. A few weeks later, on an especially windy evening... A knock came at the door. Todd was there as usual, seesawing on his souls patiently. How can one be seesawing on their souls patiently? I feel like that's like, you're like, can um, Mason play? Uh, yeah, or I mean, can or... I use your toilet? <laughs> well, that's you. I could see it. Like Maybe. Just, you know. Mm. Hi there. I smiled. Hi. He smiled, his thin neck cocked. Can Mason come out and play? Before I even had to answer, Mason had already squeezed past me, still working one of his arms through his sleeve jacket. I watched as they disappeared down the street. The rule is to be back before dark, and to their credit, the boys had always returned just as the sky started to dim. On that particular outing, they came home with some cool rocks they'd found and dirt-clotted sneakers. By the time Todd was ready to walk back home, it had fallen too dark for him to go alone. I gave him a ride with both boys in the back seat. It wasn't a far drive, as his house was only a few streets away. Every so often, my eyes would slip back to the rear view and see Todd watching the street, Mason dozing off next to him. As he passed beneath the street lamps, a bar of light would creep through the window, roll over his face, and vanish over his head. The car suddenly rocked as my wheels rolled too hastily over speed bump. His gaze left the window and met mine. Only this time, as the slanted light skimmed over his features, blue eyes did not look back at me. They were gone, blotted out by the same oily darkness silent murky circles even his skin in just that quick moment looked different like dry molted clay fit properly over a skull lips bloodlessly shriveled (laughs) i had the bloodlessly shriveled Ooh, you do have chills Mm. lips bloodlessly shriveled i slammed on the brake jostling all of us with a sudden lurch mason gasped himself into wide-eyed awareness as fast as it happened before the straight-faced horror in my back seat returned to a sweet young boy, shocked and surprised. Sorry, I breathed. Sorry about that, guys. I thought I saw a cat on the road. We reached Todd's house, a white ranch style, with a flowering dogwood tree in the front yard. 
As the boys said their goodbyes, I could only stare into the dashboard, my heart sending tremors down my arms. The world felt off its tilt, as if the lines separating actuality and nonsense were blurred. I was disoriented by how real it seemed, his eyes like deep dark wells, his unhealthy skin stretched and pulled like a death mask. My thoughts clashed with the fold of my brain that formed logic and eventually logic one. But despite how far-fetched it sounded, I actively avoided eye contact with Todd, not even giving a sliver of opportunity for that oily pitch to return. If it even happened in passing glance or a quick double take, I'd be back to circling the rim of a mental collapse. A week later, I went to pick up Mason from Todd's house. I'd pulled up along the curb, texted I'm here, and waited there for some time. There was no sign he'd read my message nor did he answer any of my calls. When I got tired of waiting, I twisted the keys out of the ignition and made my way up the slim walkway. The house was missing a great deal of shingles, which scarred its roof line in dark patches. The rain gutters were clogged and stunk of decomposing leaves. Same. (laughs) I knocked briskly and waited. The door unlocked, held only partially open by a door chain. Yes. The face peeked out, asking, His voice was nasally, like it had lodged somewhere in his throat, right in the pit of it. I'm Holly, Mason's mom, here to pick him up. The door closed and then opened fully as the chain slid out of its holder. The man on the other end was lanky with onset baldness, widening his forehead, his eyes tired and heavy. Oh, sorry about that. I'm not doing a voice. Yes. Why, you're doing really good. Oh, sorry about that. He said, flashing a thin-lipped smile and offering a handshake. David... The boys are probably still on their way back, but they'll be here any minute now. You can come inside and wait if you'd like. I've got some tea ready to go. I took him up on the offer and followed him inside. At our immediate right was the living room, where a woman sat watching a rom-com on the television. Paying no mind to the sound at the door, she kept her back to us. Beneath the show's timed laugh track, I could hear the sound of hard, labored breathing. Hanging over the side of the sofa drooped a thin, skeletal wrist. On the wall, a gray Kit Kat clock shifted its eyes and wagged its tail. The kitchen was small with a triangular arrangement of sink, stove, and refrigerator, a small dance between the three. Flowery wallpaper looped around the room. A formica-topped table sat against the wall with minty green chairs. I took a seat in one as David retrieved some cups from the cabinet. The smell of light orchid drifted through the air. Hope you like green tea, he said quietly as he filled the cups and brought them over. Green is fine, I replied, taking the cup from him. He planted himself in a chair. They're really fond of each other, aren't they? The boys, I mean. What else would you mean? Sorry, I, as I read that, I was like, they're really fond of each other. The boys, I mean. I'd say so. You can hardly keep Mason away, I laughed. By this point, I noticed the dark pouches beneath his eyes more clearly. In fact, his overall appearance seemed to hang in a mournful sag. Whatever supplement he needed, he was missing a lot of it. So how long have you been in the neighborhood? I asked for sake of conversation. Oh, a good while now, he mused, rubbing a finger along his cup. Really, I'm surprised Mason didn't meet Todd sooner. Our houses aren't too far from each other. Todd? He asked, as though needing a moment to remember his own son's name. Oh, yes, that is pretty surprising. He gets around. Mason never sees him at school. Does he go to a different district? Lines creased his mouth. School? Well, we from the living room a harsh guttural coughing reached us would you like to do that (laughs) (laughs) i do good that was really good (laughs) david's neck swiveled toward the sound excuse me my wife needs me he left his chair and hastily went to her not too long after that the front door opened as todd and mason arrived 
As we said our goodbyes to David and his silent wife, he clasped my hand in a tight shake. It was nice meeting you, Holly. Really, it was. When he released the grip, I realized something was left in my palm. When we were back in the car, I folded it open. What's that, Mom? Mason asked. Nothing, sweetie. I smiled back at him, placing the crumpled note in my lap. A phone number, a time to call, and the word help scribbled into its loose leaf. <gasps> it was nightfall when I unfurled and read it again. I was in the backyard, occupying a seat at our fire pit, my cell phone in one hand and a cigarette pinched in the other. The note said to call at eight, which was only five minutes away. As the time drew closer, my chest grew tighter with anxiousness. Moments ago, I'd snuck into my own room, pulled out the bottom shelf of my dresser, and unearthed the pack of Marlboros. Marlboros. Of Marlboros. Does that sound right? Marbles. Marbles? Marbles? <laughs> my parents smoked this. Marlboro Red? Marlboros. Marlboros. I'm, I'm gonna put your your voice in over mine. Marlboros. Three years I'd been without them, and three years I'd kept my promise to Mason to stop smelling like an ashtray. But tonight, shamefully, they were the only thing holding me together. When the clock on my phone pulsed eight, I took a long drag on the cigarette and dialed my number. The tone cheered in and out a few times and finally connected. Hello? David's voice chattered on the other line. Who is this right now? My heart rattled in my throat. It's Holly, Mason's mom. The voice exhaled and then returned briskly. I need you to listen to me, okay? Are you listening? Yes, I'm listening. Keep it away from your boy. The fire pit popped and spat a few embers. Keep what away? What are you talking about? Listen, he snapped, a manic weight to his voice. Don't let Mason come over here anymore. It isn't safe for him. Don't even let it go over there. You have to stop this now. I twisted my neck back towards the house and leaned forward in my chair. Are we talking about your son right now? Is it my son? He scorned. Not at all. Not in any way. You need to calm down. If you need help, I can call the police. No, no police. He screamed, his voice so tight and stressed that it splintered on the other end. It will take more from her if you do that. My wife, she can't handle much more. It's taking something from her, taking something from me. We can't get rid of it now. It's too late for us, but not for you. You can stop this. He started to weep and muttered to himself. It came to our door to use the phone. Why did we let it in? Why did we let it use the fucking phone? Something stirred in the background. He paused and then whispered, keep it away from him. And then he hung up. I'm not sure how long I sat there, but it was long enough for the flames to shrink into powdery mounds. When I entered the house again, Mason was on the couch with his tablet. You smell weird, he said, <laughs> taking note of me. The fire pit, I lied, my thoughts too heavy to muster anything else. He flashed me a big smile and tactfully asked, can I have a sleepover at Todd's this weekend? No, I answered stiffly. That isn't going to work. Why not, he persisted. Todd always sleeps over here. Why can't we do his? Because, Mason, I said no. End of story. He shot an icy look of defiance at me. Fine, then he'll sleep over here then. No, he won't. We are going to take a break from Todd for a while. His jaw opened flabbergasted. You can't do that. I just did, I said, perhaps a little too matter-of-factly. As I walked back up the stairs, I could feel the burn of his eyes watching me on every step. Both of our nights now ruined. David's deranged garble on the phone sat with me for the rest of the night. I had no idea what to do, what to fix, what to think. Keep it away. It isn't safe for him. The message, so vague but also desperately clear. I had to keep Mason safe. That was all that mattered. The next day after Mason was back from school, I sat him down on the couch. I'm sorry for last night, I said. I was very stressed, but that is not the way I want us to speak to each other again, okay? His eyes naturally scanned the floor. Okay. I love you, Mason, and no matter what, I want you to be safe. So there are a few things I need to know about Todd. Will you do that for me? 
He nodded again, his sneakers softly kicking the backpack slumped on the carpet. Did he ever act weird or strange to you? His head shook. What about his parents? Did he act different around them at all? Same answer. I wasn't sure how to word the next question, but I did my best anyway. Did he ever do something with his eyes? This time, Mason nodded. Son, what did he do with his eyes? A trick, Mason replied hesitantly. Told me not to tell anyone, though. You have to tell me. His lips crinkled, trying to keep the secret zipped up. Then he finally spoke. He could make them disappear. I felt drugged by his words, my head even feeling lighter, like all the logic in the world had just been raptured away. You did see them, my thoughts repeated. You did see the deep, dark wells. As quickly as all my self-doubt left, a scrim of dread filled the empty spaces. Did it scare you? I asked. A little, Mason replied absently. He said not to be, though, that he'd showed me how to do it, too. I grabbed his shoulder, making him jump suddenly. He didn't, though, right? He didn't do anything to you. He looked confused like I was the one talking crazy now. No. I know he's your friend, Mason, but I need you to promise that you won't see him anymore. Mason's gaze flicked back to mine, his eyes wide with betrayal. What? The tears began to come down. Promise me, I repeated, the words like razor scraping down my tongue. I don't want to, Mason. After much hesitation, he tearfully replied, I promise. I hugged him, closed my eyes, and surrendered to the cruelty of it all. For the rest of that hellish week, I kept my ears turned for the knock at the door. For whatever reason, Todd never used the doorbell. Inevitably, the knock came. Behind the frosted glass of our front door, I could see Todd's vague shape teetering on his soles. When the door opened, he smiled up at me. Hi, can Mason come out and play? Sorry, dear, I smiled back. Mason can't play today. The corner of his mouth lifted as his neck cocked to the side. Can he later? No, I don't think so, sorry. His nose wrinkled and the skin between his eyebrows creased. Okay. I closed the door, watched him leave, and that was that. It might take a few minutes, but eventually the message would sink in leave my son alone. I felt a sense of pride behind that, and what could possibly better protect a boy than his mother? But when I turned and saw Mason's cold eyes from the stair, the pride all but evaporated. When Todd returned the next day, I gave him the same answer. Then the day after that, and then one after that. I couldn't even refuse to answer when he knocked. Otherwise, he'd sit there and wait, knock again, and wait some more, knowing full well we were home. Four straight evenings of it. And poor Mason, he had every right to despise me for this. No parent could want to wall themselves between their son and his best friend, his first friend. But what choice did I have? We were drifting apart, orbiting ever farther away from each other. He was my prisoner, and I was the judge sentencing him back to a lonely world. Surely he'd make new friends, right? The world was full of them, and if anything, this was proof that he could find them. That thought helped me cope anyway. When the knock came for the fifth time in a row, my tolerance had run out. Todd wasn't catching on, and to make matters more irritating, it was eight or so at night this time. Part of me hoped it was someone else, maybe a neighbor bringing a package that was wrongfully left on their doorstep, but I knew better than that, and I was not allowing this to go any further. Mason was doing his homework at the kitchen table when I passed by him, no acknowledgement whatsoever. When I pulled the door open, Todd was standing beneath our porch light, both shoulders hunched over his ears, as though expecting me to smack him, and perhaps verbally that is what I did. Go home, I said assertively. We're done. No more of this, all right? Can Mason come out and play? He asked sorrowfully, as though it weren't after dark. No, Todd, he can't, and he won't the next day or the next. Now go home and stay there. His arm rubbed his sleeve nervously. It's really dark. I don't want to walk home alone. Can I use your phone to call my parents? I felt absolutely cruel, but I also knew the game he was trying to play. You walked here on your own, you can walk back on your own. 
Then, as I moved to close the door and end the conversation, Todd made his eyes disappear. The darkness washed over them quickly, and it seemed actually to curdle in his sockets. A thickening, horrible texture. His face became milk wax, the sad child disappearing behind it. Beads of perhaps sweat dripped from his temples. One ran into his eye and vanished into the void. I want to come inside, he spoke, the sorrowful note in his voice also gone. My heart slackened to a deep, slow throb. I felt the need to pinch my side, to tweak it hard enough to draw blood and wake from this moment. Between the dead, shriveled lips, I could see the decayed tips of black teeth. Can I please come inside? He asked. No, I said semi-reactively. His black, craving eyes narrowed at me. For a moment, I actually thought they started to cry, but it was just the darkness dribbling down his cheeks, oozing like oil sticks. I just want to play with Mason. The sound of it, the sound of that horrible face saying my son's name, snapped me out of my shock. I slammed the door shut and quickly locked it. Mason stood stiffly in the kitchen. His expression was only a shimmer of consciousness, vacant as a sleepwalker. Mason, look at me, honey. It's all okay. Everything's going to be okay. But his unfocused eyes were not facing me. Three firm knocks came from the door. When I turned to face it, a dark shape lingered behind the frosted glass. A tall figure, taller than any adult, was hunched looking inside. And from behind the single pane that separated us, its vague shape didn't move. From the other side, Todd's childish voice was still calling. Can I please come inside? Don't you want to play, Mason? Don't you want to play? I could feel it watching us like static vibrating the air. When I tried to move Mason, he refused to budge, staring emptily toward the evil thing behind the glass. Heavy as it was, I scooped him up in my arms and bolted for the stairs. It won't break in, my thoughts uttered. It isn't allowed to. That much I was sure of it. If it wanted to get in, it would have by now. It needed to be invited. I shut both of us away in the bathroom upstairs, and when the sounds of the front door finally ceased, Mason snapped out of it. He was confused, like he had just missed everything that transpired. I wasn't sure whether to consider that a blessing or not. Perhaps it was, and perhaps also it was not God that answered my prayer. It was impossible to digest what happened that night. Sometimes I'd linger on the stairs right on the top step and watch the doorway, wondering if the glass would suddenly darken, if Todd's voice would slip through and ask to come inside. One night, David had left a voicemail on my phone. She's gone, his voice whimpered. It got what it wanted from her, drained her dry. Now my wife won't wake up and it's left us. I don't know what it wants from your boy, but it wants something. No matter what, don't let it back inside. The message cut out after that, and he still won't answer my calls. Todd never did come back, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Strangely enough, the one least affected by all of this was Mason. I was worried to see him fall back into that distant bubble, but that isn't what happened. He started to make friends with other kids around the neighborhood new friends, normal friends. He'd become a real social butterfly, and despite my brain ripping itself apart to understand what I'd seen, I at least had that comfort to cling on to. Seeing Mason happy made me happy. Lately, though, I've been feeling strange. It's been harder to feel motivated about things, let alone get out of bed in the morning. Even my appetite has started to dwindle. Day by day, I've been growing increasingly sapped and lethargic. I don't know what's wrong, but it's getting worse. Mason's been helping me get around the house, even going out of his way to play chef and make me things to eat. He's a good boy, but sometimes, dear Lord, I catch something in his eyes, something that shouldn't be there. But it's only a trick of light. Please, God, let it only be a trick of light. Ew! Creepy! That was good! I think so, too. Thank you so much, Michael. Wow, Michael. Big. Or Paige Michael, Michael Page, I don't know. Hopefully this didn't happen to you, my yeah. friend. It's horrifying. I think I can't even imagine yeah, that what was I would some... do with my child. Ugh. Well, great job. Thanks. And we love a creepy pasta, and Hope we that love... chilled you to the bone. 
it chilled me. I had goosebumps a few times. You saw. I hope you see those little black dark well eyes in your sleep. <sighs> black eyed children are just black eyed peas. Black eyed peas are as well. Well, you said it. Two times spooky. T w o t i m e s s p o o k y. Gmail. Twitter. Wow, you're so fast Instagram. at it. Facebook. Yeah, and I just am like, let me say it before Tiffany tries. <laughs> let me try. T W O. Yeah, no, you already messed it up. T W O T I M E S S P O O K Y at gmail.com. Nice. G M A I L D dot C O N. Um, yeah, so you know where to find us. Um, happy spooky season. Uh, we'll say that every episode, probably. And because... we're ready for some more frightening stuff to come. But anyway, we love food and our food is here, so. We just wish you, we're gonna eat now, but we still wish you nightmares and. Lights out. Lights out.